Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Global Watch. We are almost midway through July. I don't know where it has gone. It is the 14th of July. Can you believe it? Oh, my goodness. We are headed right into the Tech Watch for this month. And I'm going to turn it over to our famous host, Susie Kathari, <laughs> who has a handle on so much in tech. Uh, Susie, we love you. Come on in. <laughs> Thank you. I just don't have a handle on the light today because I'm sitting in a room that's not my usual room. So sorry about the darkness around me. So let's say a quick prayer before we get started with worship song. Father God, Papa, we thank you so much for this wonderful time together with all the saints to gather together and just pray to you and worship you and listen to your heart and know what you have for the tech industry. And just, Lord, help us to be uh, with our ears to your chest at all times so we can take this tech industry in the direction that you want us to take it in. I, I ask for your favor and your wisdom over John as he speaks today and fill his mouth with your words, Papa. We thank you and we worship you and we praise you and we pray all these in your very precious name, Jesus. Without much further ado, I want to introduce John Knox. John lives in San Francisco and leads a community group at Reality San Francisco. It's a multi-generational church of about 1,800 people in the Mission District. He worked in several technology startups in the past eight, eight years, and he used to co-lead the Christians at SurveyMonkey up until their IPO in 2018. John is now writing a book profiling 14 plus Christian technologists. And as of yesterday, stepping into a new role, into a community of leaders uh, of an organization dedicated to connecting Christians in blockchain and crypto. And he leads community development and strategic partnerships between investors, entrepreneurs, and prayer teams seeking God's heart for, for the speed. So welcome, John. We look forward to hearing Thank from you. I really appreciate that introduction. And just want to say hi to everybody. I might have met some of you before at Google's Global Impact Summit in 2018 or Passion Talks 2019 or Passion Talks 2020 which I had the, the honor to lead alongside some amazing people. And some of you may know Cheryl Chen, who's been a mentor and friend to me for a long time. She's fantastic. I'd also like to give a warm welcome to one of the leads in the space for blockchain and crypto, who's on the call with us, Jason Lee. Many of you know Jason Lee, who's the COO of Algorand Foundation. And he's been uniting a lot of us together that are at some of these conferences around the world with this emerging technology. So today I just want to share briefly about 
the context of where we're headed as the market we can all see is very volatile. And there's a lot of questions about where's the sustainability and where's the trajectory. We want to seek economic opportunity, but above all, we want to seek God's heart for how to use crypto and blockchain and to use that to glorify him, to use that to unite believers that have dreams and visions from God on how this technology will prove to be a valuable asset and connect us better and provide for us better. So that's something that we would love prayer for, Jason and myself, and another one of the community leads, John Kim, who's the head of strategic partnerships at uh, Decentology. That's a little bit of a context here about Jason and myself and John. We're really just seeking God's heart for all of this, as I'm sure you all are, seeing how the market is right now and seeing everything that's going on. There's probably a lot of questions about what is the way forward? What is God's path? And we know that man makes his plans, but the Lord is really the one that aligns our steps. So we really need that in a time like this, where everyone is questioning, what is the right way forward? I believe we believe that the only one that knows that way, the steps forward is the Lord. And so we want to seek his face. We want to require his presence and say, just like Moses said, if you do not go with us, we will not depart from here. If we're going towards the promised land, we don't want to go unless your presence goes with us, God. So even if we're building something that is amazing and that we have the background in and the skills, we still say, God, if you do not go with us in this endeavor, we do not want to go on this journey. And how can we be eager to be Mary at his feet, ready to receive from him? That's our question. So that's the a summary that I'd like to share with you all today. would welcome any questions or Susie, any context you want to give there too. Yeah, thanks, John. I'll probably add a bit, Jason. That we've also got Chris with us, who is part of the community as well as an invite for those. And if anyone else is part of the Christians in Crypto and Blockchain community, just give a shout out as well. But we're so thankful that Global Watch is here to, to pray and to intercede in this. And the area that we're stewarding is, is, is currently a set group of professionals in the industry of over 100 plus people from many nations. And we just pray for the direction to have more like-minded folks and to really stand in the gap uh, for this particular industry itself and more broadly speaking for the tech industry. Thanks, John, for sharing too. Susie, back to you. So a question for both of you, and you can both take turns to answer the question. What are the, what are the solutions that are available in crypto today and how can they be applied to for, applied with kingdom principles and uh, yeah and then I'll have some I have some follow-up questions oh sure Jason how about you start since I started yeah. to share the first how about you go with this one first and then I'll go sure no yeah no problem at all currently right now cryptocurrency is essentially a new expression of money and, and how money is being used 
And so just how we currently use money to support missionaries or to pay the bills or do different things, cryptocurrency does have that element as well. It is obviously a mixed bag of different things. So there could be currencies that, that fluctuate in value or currencies that are stable. But overall, it's just a new expression of how money is. And how can we apply kingdom principles? I think the Bible has mentioned uh, about money many times you know, in, in stewarding it, the parable of talents, paying to Caesar what is owed to him. And so we are you know, there to continue to steward the role of cryptocurrency in this space and to use the biblical rules in, in cryptocurrency to do that. There's a very, just a very small segment of community that, that have understand. So context is the public stock market in the US is, is about $50 trillion and the global stock markets is about $100 trillion. Cryptocurrency only represents about half a trillion dollars. So it's a very small amount of the flow of money across the world, but it's taken attention of many people across the industry. And so we're just praying that kingdom principles can be applied. This is how the Bible has guided us on money into the same lens as cryptocurrency as well. That's fantastic. Uh, and I just agree with Jason and say, this is a field that wants to build a trust and wants to build transparency in the way that we can handle finances. And so we need to build protocols that can be secure. And so there's an element of security there. And then the blockchain itself ensures the integrity of the transaction that it's private. It's also something that's secure and allows for an even better transfer of value between different parties across international lines. And we want to make sure that in the process of that, it does have the trust of people. And so we need to make sure that the things that are being built, the things that are being shared are done in a way that has that kingdom principle of truly knowing that it's done in excellence and that it's done to the highest standards so that people can transact uh, appropriately and be able to have good stewardship, as Jason was mentioning. So those are all things as Christians that we absolutely know is on God's heart because he says, if you are, um, are you, if you do well with unrighteous mammon, God will entrust you with heavenly riches. But if you can't even be entrusted to safeguard keeping the value of unrighteous wealth, then how can God entrust to you heavenly riches? Mm-hmm. So there's a proxy here where we see there is an element that Jesus says stewardship of our finances really can translate into him stewarding, helping us to steward people and relationships and larger structures that can facilitate the share of the gospel and of God's design. So that's what we hope to build into um, blockchain. And not everyone is created equal, right? Not every cryptocurrency is created equal. So we all hear that there are some that are even closer to a Ponzi scheme or something that is doesn't really hold value. And then there are those that really do hold value. And in the mix of this, we're trying to discover together how to create guardrails towards helping push people towards the things that are valuable while still having the freedom of the market. Mm -hmm. And so that's 
the place that we're at right now. Jason, you can let me know if I, perfect. So hopefully that gives some context. Feel free Susan, to follow up. That is awesome. Thank you for explaining that. And my next question was going to be, if you would explain cryptocurrency and blockchain and how they correlate to each other to say my grandma, how would you do that? Like what, how would you make her understand what that is? Yeah, so I, I can just say a little bit one and then Chris, if you just take that as well, it would be nice to hear from you. So I would say that think of blockchain as like a highway and, and the highway is used to move from point A to point B and, and where transactions occur as well. And cryptocurrency is like a vehicle on a highway. So you could use cryptocurrency to make a payment or to transfer something. And sometimes it could also represent you owning a digital asset or maybe even a piece of artwork through what you call an NFT, a non-fungible token. But essentially the blockchain is like this super highway where you could have multiple applications on it. You can see the different vehicles as the cryptocurrency on it. And the, the, the unique thing is that a blockchain has a record. So it's a record and it's transparent and it's, you cannot edit it. And that's what makes it special, which is what John mentioned. So that means that whenever someone sends something over across the highway, everyone can see it publicly as a public blockchain. Yeah. Chris, mm -hmm. did you mention something? Sure. Yeah. I think if you break it down, it's just blockchain. It's a chain of blocks. And so every, every set of transactions that you have, every set of communications that people have with this blockchain, they're packed together into a block. And then those blocks are attached one to another and it's done with cryptography. And then that's extremely secure because someone can't go back and change the transactions that happened in the previous blocks because it would ruin the integrity of all the blocks that come after it. And then everyone would be able to tell that the record of the transactions was modified. The other thing that was a light bulb moment for me when I first started learning about cryptocurrency is that you can think of a dollar bill or a pound or a euro that has computer code attached to it. And so one of the things that people describe it as programmable money and crypto is not just used for money. You can use a blockchain for other things, but you can think of it in terms of a dollar bill that you can write code on and that computer code will help it to transfer from one person to another when certain events take place. And it opens up a whole new world of applications that we couldn't normally do with just regular currency. Mm. That's awesome. Thank you for explaining that. There is a question in the chat and I'm going to read that. How are digital currencies related to this? I heard China has their money, the Chinese yuan, in a digital form. Do you think the Western countries will also do that? Yes, I think the short answer is, is yes. It will likely be a digital form. And cryptocurrency is, as it is an expression of money, the difference with cryptocurrency is that it is not being issued by a government. It is issued privately. Whereas if there's a digital yuan or if there's like a digital US dollar, then the government itself would be responsible for the, the, 
money itself, the cryptocurrency, the digital asset. Yeah, and the next follow-up question, which I was going to ask, but Susan asked it in the chat, it's what is the value backing the currency? Dollars have gold, but what does crypto have? How does the value of, a, of cryptocurrency define and decide it? Who decides it? Yeah, you know, so it's a good, okay, that's a great, good question, Susan. Thanks. There are multiple cryptocurrencies. So some cryptocurrencies are not backed by any value. And hence, that's why it's volatile and it's dangerous. And that's why there's a thing called do your own research or DIOR. But there are some cryptocurrencies that are also backed by value. So for example, there's a cryptocurrency known as the, it's a USD stable coin. It means it will always be a $1 stable coin for one USDC. And it is backed by various treasury notes and bonds on a one-to-one -one basis. So that, that and we call it a stable coin cryptocurrency, but majority of cryptocurrencies are not backed by any value and, and hence uh, it's important to do your own research before making any decision to, to buy or acquire any cryptocurrency. And, and it's not financial advice, by the way. And hence, that's why we need as much prayer as possible for professionals in the industry so that they don't get caught up in jobs or in roles that are in a way not biblical or harmful to society as well. But there are also cryptocurrency projects that are great and they're innovative and they're faith-based. And so we're going to pray for more projects as such. Okay. So th thank you, Jason. That, that was super helpful. So basically it's possible for people to, as with any technology, to make it make good use out of it or bad use out of it. And so there, there are bad actors that are out there that can cause people to pay money and then run off with it. How, how, do you, how do we understand that besides doing your own research? Sometimes research is also not very, is also very, there, there are pros and cons to doing your own research as well. So what, what checks and balances do you apply when you want to buy cryptocurrency? Yeah, Chris and John, do you want to take that? And maybe I just want to say that I, I do need to make a move at the 30-minute mark, but it's just such a blessing. Thank you for keeping us in your mind and prayers and just to appreciate the fact that you're thinking and asking these sort of questions as well. I think we need more believers to look into areas like this and to really provide prayer intercession and thought leadership as well thank you yeah thank you jason great to see you again you too, thank you jason thanks jason no problem. john do you want to tackle the question that was just asked or i can or sure i can go first and i'd love follow-up from you as well sure i think the question was around what, where to do research for thinking about mm -hmm. the value of cryptocurrency and which cryptocurrencies to use. But mm -hmm. I would definitely say it's something that I've heard uh, is very helpful when you're looking at discretionary income and you're not looking at putting a lot of your portfolio into this. Even some of the big investors that are at these conferences are recommending and we, I'm not recommending any financial advice right now, but I'm saying that they say between five to 7% mm -hmm. 
of your portfolio. And that's in your entire portfolio. So we're looking at a smaller percentage of what you're looking to put in because we know that this is still a new asset and a new investment category that's being built as we speak. And so I would definitely recommend as this is a great question that we should continue to look and do our research and find different avenues where things are being talked about. And I think a great place for that is definitely some of the, there's a lot of journals that are coming out and we can recommend some after this that can give you more input. But there's also, I think, communities that are set up to help educate about this. And I know John Kim, who is one of our community leads working at Decentology, has a lot of different resources that people in the community are developing to help walk people through this as well. So there are even organizations that are coming alongside to educate consumers and folks out there. So I'd say those are a couple things. And then Chris, let me know what your take is too. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to butcher this paraphrase, but Warren Buffett said something like, I only invest in things I understand. And even though blockchain and crypto is something that is very new and a lot of people are trying to understand it all at the same time, I think there's still some simple things that you can do to see if, as you do your own research, if something is, it makes sense to you as an investment, things like the same sorts of things that you would do if you were deciding whether to invest in a stock in a company. And like with the stock market, uh, there are sources of information that are maybe good and there are sources of information that are maybe not so good. But there's some real simple things that you can do. Look and see, does a crypto project show who the team is or are they anonymous? If you read about how the technology works, can you understand and does it make sense to you why it would have value or is it not really clear why it would have value? And I think I, I, when we say do your own research, it's that each person has to make an investment decision for themselves. It's very similar to, in some ways, to deciding whether a company is a good purchase as a stock. Mm. That makes sense. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, John. Sure. That's great. I want to add one more thing, Susie, if I can. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, just to make it super practical, some people are wondering, what is some of that value that is baked in? And I would say electrical energy that it takes to mine. Some cryptocurrencies, you have to mine it, meaning there's a set amount that's created of that currency and there's no more that can be created. Now, this isn't the same for every cryptocurrency, but that is a way like for Bitcoin, for instance, that people know about this. That's why I use the example that to mine it, it there takes electrical energy and a good consumption of it at that to be able to even make one of these available online or as a digital asset in your digital wallet. And so people have talked about like people from Shark Tank and other investors that if there are people that are mining and using electrical energy that is bad for the environment and not being paid, but doing this project at a detriment to themselves, then that's almost like blood money. That's almost mm -hmm. like something that is an investment that is like a sweatshop. 
And so mm. we need to be careful to figure out the trail of how is the cryptocurrency being mined that then you get in your wallet and you get to use for a transaction. And somebody's question to answer briefly about how that transaction can work. You can think about a developing country that might have a corrupt government or not a good ratio of value in its currency because of inflation or structural factors that prevent that currency from get, having the value that it could have if it were in a first world country. Some people have chosen to put some of their assets more than just the five to 7% that we have in a much larger share in uh, stable coins because it carries more value and it's safer for them rather than putting too much in the currency of their own country. And so that makes it very hard on them if there's fluctuations because they have more of their portfolio in that currency, but hopefully they're diversifying it across other cryptocurrency. And the hope is, this is not my hope, but this is their hope, that if cryptocurrencies can be dependent on and less volatile, that no matter if you have a corrupt government that you live under, if you are an honest, integrous person that is trying to provide for you and your family, you can do so and keep uh, assets growing in value and tradable and transferable in a way that's going to increase your economic opportunity and not be tracked or curtailed by whatever forces are at play against you in your government or financial institutions. So that is really something that there's an opportunity for. I wouldn't say that that reality is what we're looking at day to day, but that's something on the ground that people are hoping would be a use case here. And it's only going to be possible with virtuous, integrous people building protocols that are trustworthy, that are connected to more than just one coin, but have multiple places where people want to buy and trade that cryptocurrency or multiple protocols that give a thumbs up and say, this is an easy highway to use mm -hmm. the analogy where we can send it. And that will be more things that you as a lay person can look into and see, oh, wow, lots of different places are providing a highway for this type of car to go on. That's great. Mm -hmm. I know the team. That's great. I see that there's a qualification that this is not being mined or this is not being developed in a way that's hurting people, but is ethically done. Or I can even Google, is this ethically created? 